This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. This episode is sponsored by The Latte Co. If you follow me on social media, you'll know that I make Milo smoothies all the time and I'm always putting a powder in them. That powder is created by The Latte Co. It is 100% plant-based. They have a baby latte, which is for 12 months and up, and then a kiddo latte, which is what Milo is using right now, which is for 24 months and up. You can put the powder in just water, you can put it in smoothies, you can even throw it in baking. It's made with organic, whole food ingredients, it contains more calcium than cow's milk, has a huge range of vitamins and minerals, it is gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, and it is nut-free. I'll just read off some of the ingredients here. So hemp hearts, pea protein powder, grinded flax seeds, beetroot, green cabbage, kale, broccoli, tomato, pumpkin. I mean, it goes on and on. I consider this stuff my secret weapon and it's so nice to give Milo a smoothie that has this powder in it and I know that he's getting a bunch of nutrition. The awesome people at The Latte Co. would like to give you guys 10% off and free shipping on your first order with the promo code THEMOMROOM10. You can find the link in the episode notes or you can simply go to thelatteco.com. I cannot recommend this stuff enough. So remember, it is promo code THEMOMROOM10 for a 10% discount and free shipping. www.thelatteco.com. So today I am talking with Marley Cohen. She is a Toronto-based mom who left the corporate world to pursue a career in health and fitness. She's a certified personal trainer, a holistic health coach, a blogger, a YouTuber, a TikToker. She's all the things. (laughs) So to start, I thought you could tell us about yourself and your family, how you went from working a typical job in the corporate world to being an influencer full-time. Sure. So I was born and raised in Toronto and graduated university, started a job in corporate real estate without any idea that I was even interested in fitness at the time. And this was, I guess, back in 2009, 2010. I really knew that I didn't like what I was doing, but I didn't know what else I wanted to do. So I was sort of in that like awkward spot where I knew I didn't like sitting at a desk nine to five working in a company that I didn't love but I had no other ideas about what I wanted to do. And I really found health and wellness through just not feeling good while I was in a corporate job. Like I was, you know, in my car all day, either doing showings or sitting at an office. It's very much a, or it was at the time, like a guy's guy kind of vibe in the office. So a lot of like takeout and drinks after work and things like that. And I just felt like I didn't really fit in. So it was really through like trying to find my own health and getting back to feeling good in my body while I was sitting down all day working in this nine to five that I found a passion for health and fitness. And I would just simply like read about it on my lunch hours or kind of like start working out a little bit. I joined the gym in my office building and then I got like really into it and I would think like, oh my gosh, if only this could be my job, like if only I could be in health and fitness somehow, but it really just seems like a fantasy. It seemed impossible. And I kind of just lived with that for, you know, around five years at the time I had started a bunch of different blogs and then deleted them like on Tumblr. Remember Tumblr? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, no one wants to hear from my perspective. I don't actually know anything. I'm not certified in anything, but I was so passionate about it. And I was like, oh, I would just love to write about this and share about this. But So I would start a website and delete it. So I did that honestly for five years. (laughs) And it wasn't until like 2015, 2016 that I was like, okay, if I really want to leave the corporate world, do something in health and fitness, I have to take action. How do I do this? And I thought about it. I said, okay, while I'm working corporate, I can have my income, have my salary, but also get certified on the side. I was, you know, living with my fiance, I think at the time, no kids, like lots of extra free time. So I was working and then getting like certifications while I was working for a full year and sharing content through, started on Instagram, then I started a blog, but really just managing like a side hustle for 
a good, you know, year and a half before I decided to take the leap and try and pursue health and fitness outside or full-time. So it meant like getting certified first and foremost, and then teaching and seeing clients while I was still working corporate and putting content out there in the hopes that I would get more clients. So that was really the goal of my Instagram was to put information out there and try and find clients so that I could afford to do personal training and teaching outside of work. And so growing up, were you an athlete or into fitness and health? Yeah, I was a dancer. I was like a, I was a bad dancer, but I was a dancer. <laughs> I, went, I went to a high school in Toronto for dance. I really wasn't good. And we recently found old home videos that just like further solidified that I was not good. <laughs> but my parents were so wonderful and allowed me to pursue this random passion <laughs> that I was not actually good at, but I was, I danced 20 hours a week in my prime. And that's, I didn't share this, I guess, but that's really how I felt. So just like, like a disconnect from my old healthy self when I started in corporate. So I wasn't moving, I wasn't working out, but I also wasn't dancing. So it really just felt like it caught up to me. Your family and your friends, did they know that you wanted to leave your corporate job and start doing this? Or was it something that you kind of kept to yourself until you knew you could be successful at it? Yeah, it was very much, I felt like I was living two lives. Like even my blog at the beginning was called Nikes by Night <laughs> because I thought that I was living two lives. I was corporate by day and then this like fitness fanatic secretly by night and at 6 a.m. <laughs> and yeah. then it was my husband who was like, you probably shouldn't call your blog Nikes by Night because what if you really do this one day and you work with Nike or work with a different brand? And I was like, you're crazy. That would never happen. But yeah, I guess I'll change my name. To, and then he came up with Kale and Crunches. Oh my God, he um, did? Yeah, he did. He, it was I remember we were just sitting in my condo and he was like coming up with, he's like, Kale and Cardio and it was taken. So he came up with Kale and Crunches. I was really embarrassed about it. And I think over time, like my friends started to see that I was super into health and fitness again, because I was talking about it all the time. And then when I finally told them that I started this blog and Instagram account, they were like, oh, that's great. No one was really that surprised at that point, but it definitely wasn't in my like trajectory growing up, I would say. So you started doing the personal training and like you called it a side hustle but at what point did you realize that you could do it full time and leave your corporate job? Yeah, I was really financially motivated because I was coming from a cushy salary and it just I didn't want to be irresponsible. I wanted to make the right choice and still be able to have a certain lifestyle that I was used to given my old job. So I didn't want to leave this job without, you know, relying on just having a couple of clients here and there making a couple hundred dollars a week. Like I knew that I needed something more. So my business plan, which I recently found, which was kind of funny, was all about like how many clients did I need to sustain a certain amount of money I wanted to make and how many like fitness classes did I need to teach because I was teaching a lot of group fitness and spin and things like that. But nowhere on that business plan had anything to do with social media, not even a cent, because I didn't know that that was something that you could get paid for. And it wasn't until I received a very cool and last minute opportunity with a big sporting retailer to come out to an opening of their store, post about it. And I got a really substantial amount of money for it. I mean, even for today, I would be considered happy with this amount. And how many followers, like what kind of level? So I didn't quite have 10K. I maybe had like, I had under 10K, I know. And the reason why I got this job or this influencer opportunity was because someone backed out last minute and one of my best friend's cousins worked at a PR company and she was like, oh, I think I've heard of this girl, Kale and Crunches. I mean, like I said, it was 2015 in Toronto. There really weren't a ton of big like influence. I mean, there were some, but especially in health and fitness, it wasn't really that big a thing. So the other two influencers that I was there with, one was like a well-known bodybuilder and the other was a well-known personal trainer who owned a studio. So the, even today, I can think that if the same store were to do the same type of influencer event, it wouldn't be those types of people that were there. Yeah, that's so funny. See, for like my experience, it just makes me laugh because you were saying you came from corporate, you had a cushy salary. And so that was something that you were concerned about moving forward, like to leave that position. 
And for me, like I come from academia. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I had scholarships and stuff. So I was like the luckiest that you could be in academia, but like, you're not making money. You're working 24 seven and like you're paying tuition. So then doing this stuff, like getting into what I'm doing now, I'm like, anything is great. I'm like, whoa, look at me. (laughs) It's just funny. The mindset that you can have, right? Yeah. That's funny. So your corporate position, obviously you mentioned some struggles that you had in that job, but I assume that people think, you know, being an influencer and doing what you're doing, like, oh, that would be the best life ever. Like, you know, super easy and you make your own hours. And if we were to compare and contrast like your job in the corporate world versus what you do now, like what are some struggles that you had then with the job? And then what are some things that you struggle with like now as an influencer? So then my biggest struggles were just really not enjoying what I was doing. And I also didn't feel like I was good at it. And I also didn't really care to be better because I didn't love it. And I, I just like, I'm not good example, for example, with directions and like trying to explain to a potential tenant, because I worked on like the corporate landlord side where a shopping center was located. (laughs) I'm like, my North, South, East, West is all screwed up. Like it didn't come naturally to me. (laughs) So when I found not influencing, let's say, but when I found like teaching and coaching and personal training, I finally found something that I felt like I was really good at. I was really confident in my abilities. So that was one thing that was game-changing for me because I went from feeling so just terrible at a job to something that I felt really proud of and could see like immediate results in. So that was one big difference. And then one thing I actually missed about the corporate world a little bit was my day-to-day was pretty much the same. Like I had a bit of a commute, which I hated at the time. I would still hate the commute, (laughs) but I was like very structured and I could plan. Okay. I know I'm getting in my workout at 6am. I have to be at the office at 730. I'm here until about five. I'll grocery shop after I'll cook. It was very clear what my days looked like. And I really struggled the first few years, just being a small business owner on my own, creating my own schedule. I really found that difficult to like, what do I do with my days? I remember like my first Monday waking up and being so excited. And then I'm like, wait, what do I do? So when there's no one telling you what to do in your timeline, it is absolutely incredible, but it's also kind of, it's hard to get structured and organized. And that I found challenging to have a lack of schedule. That's what I'm struggling with right now. It's like, It's similar, like being in graduate school, you have your classes at certain times. So that's a structure, but it's more so you're working 24 seven. So it's not the kind of job where you go at this time, you leave at a certain time and you're done. Like you go home and you don't have work being in grad school. It's like, you can be doing something 24 seven. And if you're not, you feel almost like a guilt because similar to what I'm doing now, it's my work you know, like I take ownership for it. I'm not working for somebody else. Right. So it's like the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. So it's kind of tricky and it's hard to give yourself free time and, you know, shut off work brain. It's so true. It's exactly the same thing. You, there's always something you can be doing. And I still struggle with that all the time. But at the same time, I felt like even when I was making like way less money or, you know, just like my, accolades might not have been as big in my small business, but I have never been more proud. Like I felt so proud of every little milestone or accomplishment or new client or new gig that I landed working for myself than I did working for a big company. And that to me was probably the most motivating. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. 
This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals, so you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding, and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. People always ask me the question, (laughs) how I deal with negative feedback online? Because I guess I deal with it in a funny way, but I'm curious how you deal with that. Because for me, like it's almost part of what I do to be not confrontational, but to stand up for myself and to say, you know, things that may be an unpopular opinion among some people. But when you don't have that as kind of your brand, how do you deal with people who have things to say to you? It's really hard. I mean, you develop a thick skin over time, but still to this day, I won't pretend that it doesn't bother me. I think it depends what they say. If someone just says a comment that is so out there, like when we did our live and someone called us (laughs) sloppy and stupid, like to me, that's absolutely hilarious and it's entertaining and it's funny and you just kind of laugh at these people. But then sometimes someone will come in with a comment that is maybe about your parenting style or about like a social issue or, I mean, especially with everything going on right now in COVID, like people are just so bored. They're watching everything you do. And it's like, people are really nitpicky. And I think they're just like bored and at home and upset. And I get it. It's a bad time. (laughs) So it depends really what they say. So if they say something, it also depends on my mood. And like, if I'm, you know, feeling good and I, you know, maybe just worked out or meditated and I'm like my, I'm vibing high, you know, something someone will say to me will roll off my back. But if you catch me and like, I'm on my period or I'm pregnant and emotional, (laughs) I could get really upset. So how do I deal with it? I usually block and it's not, I don't block these people because I can't take it or because I can't take constructive feedback. I block them because I feel like it's a privilege to have an audience, but it's also a privilege to consume a creator's content that you really enjoy. So if you're coming, knocking on my door, showing up in my space with this negative energy, I just want to bring positivity through my content. And if you're just going to be a bad egg and come and, you know, stink it up, I'm going to just block you because that's not the type of message I want in my inbox. And I try and get back to as many people as possible, but the DM space for me has become a little bit scary. It's kind of like, what am I going to get today? Mm. Yeah. Today, I actually got someone making fun of me 
and they sent it to me by accident. And I love when that happens because then it's so obvious. And then they realize, <laughs> and like, and they try to cover it up <laughs> with a message like 10 minutes after being like, oh, I don't know how you do it all. You're so amazing. And I'm like, please, oh, man. <laughs> you just got caught. So it really just depends on what they say and my energy and the block and the delete button is a great button. Yeah. I saw this analogy that was saying something about if you come onto my profile, whether it be like a Facebook account or Instagram account, TikTok, whatever it is, and leave negative comments, it's the same as walking into someone's house and complaining that they didn't decorate like the way I saw that, that too. you would, you know, or something like that. And I was like, yeah, it's true. Like this is our space that we're creating. So if you don't like it, then don't be here. Exactly. Yeah. You're on TikTok. Do you ever use the video reply? I tried to today and I couldn't figure out how to do it with another <laughs> video. I wanted, someone was making fun of me for something and I wanted to, about like eating runny eggs and, you know, it was oh, going to yeah. really harm my baby, whatever. And I wanted to do something funny with it, but I couldn't figure out how to do it with another, like stitch it, stitch together uh, videos. Yeah. So yeah, I got, I got to work on my TikTok game. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. The runny eggs. I've heard you talk about that before. The worst is when you put something out and negative feedback might not affect you so much, but then people start fighting in the comments. Yes. That happens on TikTok all the time. Less on DMs for me because I, I'm sorry, on comments on Instagram, because I feel like you have to have a lot of followers to really get that crazy engagement on Instagram. But on TikTok, people are giving like medical advice on my profile and all these things. I just stay out of it because <laughs> I don't want to get involved. <laughs> especially yeah. when the whole point of the video is like my message very much in pregnancy is you do you and in life, but really in pregnancy is just you do you and always ask a doctor. That's sort of like my motto. <laughs> so yeah. those are always what my videos are about. And then people just go at it in the comments. <laughs> Isn't it crazy what people can fight about? Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> very entertaining. <laughs> as long as you're not involved, it's entertaining. So you started out doing the personal training stuff and then what would you say your percentage is? Like how much is it influencer work? How much is it personal training? So before having my daughter, Lily, who's, she'll be two in the spring. I was, I was like 50, 50 in terms of my time. I was, so I was, had a bunch of clients that I was training, but I also did a lot of group classes too. So teaching a lot of spinning, teaching a lot of boot camps, a lot of mom and babe classes. So that definitely ate up like equal amounts of time. And then when Lily was born, I breastfed for almost a year or half a year, like eight months. And I found it really hard to figure out how to like train and just be away from her. And we didn't have any health, like we didn't have a childcare plan right away for that first year. So I was kind of like figuring out how to be a full-time mom and nurse and like see clients and stuff. And then I realized that it was just easier for me to do content creation at home. So I really just focused on that and didn't see any clients or teach any classes ever again. Really, I see a couple virtual clients right now and I really miss it and want to get back into it. But then before she turned one, COVID happened and all the gyms closed and it just didn't make sense to like to start teaching again and taking on clients and things like that. So my career really shifted from like doing both of those to just doing content creation, which was not the plan. And then I got pregnant. <laughs> so I'm like this whole thing just kind of, I felt like my whole plan to get back to doing the heart of what I do, which is teaching and training got really postponed. <laughs> but the plan is hopefully with COVID and everything, I can do it again after this baby is born in a few months. COVID then shifted your work basically. So you started really focusing on content creation. When did you start your YouTube channel and do you edit your videos yourself? Yes. So I started YouTube back in, I, I'd say I've been on YouTube for three years. I have not been consistent with it though. So it's really time consuming. I do everything myself. I film and edit everything myself. So it's hard to be consistent. It's a little bit easier now because like I said, I'm just doing content creation at home, but I couldn't figure out how to do it weekly while still teaching and running around the city to all the different studios and clients. And I was doing like the, the vlogging and the vlogging is the hardest to do because there's so much footage. 
but I love it. So I really got to figure out. And then I stopped completely when the baby was born. So I'm like, I don't know how people do this. Like I really have so much respect for the new mom YouTubers who are creating like these videos 24 hours with my newborn. I'm like, dude, first of all, Toronto is like pitch black 90% of the time. (laughs) I tried to do a video with Lily, what my toddler eats in a day. The lighting is so horrendous. I just like need to up my lighting game because it's like pitch black. (laughs) You have like massive spotlights. Like I don't know how people do it. I have like, there's so much work involved in YouTube and the audience does not, for the most part, convert. <laughs> like I've been on, when I was like, subscribe to my channel, I thought I was going to have like 15,000 people at the time come on over. And it was like crickets, crickets. <laughs> so I really, I'm not the best person to ask about. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because I just started YouTube and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to make all these videos. It's so fun. And then I was like, shit. Like I did one small video and just to film it and then to edit it because you're going through all the footage and you're trying to pick out like fun pieces because initially I was like I'm just gonna film a bunch of stuff for about a week and then I'll make (laughs) a vlog and upload a vlog every week I'm like yeah this is a great idea and then I was like oh easy "Uh, (laughs) you literally need like a team working with you yes You are, well, you seem to be anyways, very organized and I've tried to take, because you show people online a lot on your Instagram stories, how you organize your days. And I was like, I need to start doing this. So I've been starting to do that with the Google calendar and kind of time batching different tasks. So how do you do that? Like, what is your process on Sundays? Do you like create your full week or do you do it every night? Yeah. So exactly. Sunday night, I'll pull out the calendar and I will try and put in every single thing in my calendar for the week. I forgot to this week, which is actually why that person was making fun of me. I posted my calendar with like my coffee mug in my story. And then she was like commenting that I do nothing. And it's like, I literally forgot to put my weekend, I mean, like my calendar in because it happens sometimes. So yeah, I put in everything. So anything personal, like an appointment, grocery shopping, working out, like literally anything personal. I put in obviously Zoom calls, meetings, podcasts, et cetera. And then I put in my content most importantly. And I think for content creators, that can be the biggest challenge is to really prioritize and honor your own content. Especially when you start working with brands, it's really easy to like get an email from a brand and drop everything that you were doing and respond to them or send them their content first. And I've really struggled with that over the last three years because I feel like coming from that corporate mindset, I'm used to working for like a bigger company and really feeling like I need to prioritize other companies. I'm like, no, 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 you need to prioritize yourself and your own content. So it normally looks like I hate wearing makeup. Clearly you can see me right now. Like I don't like getting dressed up. I'm not the type of person to put on makeup in an outfit every single day. That's just not me. I want to be in my sweats with no makeup all day long. So I really try and film as much as I can in one day or two days. So I'll have like a content day blocked off. On that day, I make sure there's no meetings, there's no phone calls, there's no nothing, like no one can disturb that day. I'll try and do an IG live that day because like my hair and makeup's done (laughs) and things like that. So I really just try and batch the days that I look like a decent human. For a lot of people, they might like getting ready. Like for me, that's one of my biggest challenges in content. I hate getting ready. I always watch Sarah, like the bird's papayas. And I'm like, why do you look so good all the time? I think she really... Like it's a form of herself. It's her like form of self-care, getting her hair, like doing her hair and makeup. And she looks so beautiful. Like I know I won't touch a piece of makeup when this baby is here for like at least four months. That's just me. I don't enjoy it. I really don't like it. I don't like it ready. I'm not like that either, clearly. And I look at her stories and I'm like, oh man, like part of me wishes that I was like that. And that was a priority for me and that it did make me feel so much better but it's not. And so you just have to acknowledge that about yourself. Especially with YouTube. Like it took me a long time to get comfortable just looking like crap in front of the camera because Mm -hmm. when I wanted to vlog and stuff, a lot of the things that were stopping me was like, I didn't look good that day. But then I was like, okay, no, no, no. He's like, you're a trainer. You're instructor. You never look good. You're always sweaty. You always have bags under your eyes. You're a new mom. It's like, get over it and show yourself. So (laughs) that was my last year. My new year's resolution was to not care what I look like on camera and just make TikToks. And the exact same thing for me, I never storied on Instagram until a year ago. 
And now I just do it all the time as if like, I don't care what I look like. I don't care what my hair, like, it doesn't matter. And it paid off obviously. And it's so nice to not have to think about it. Right. You don't have to think about it. You have to do it. I feel the same for stories, but for my feed, I still like my photos to look nice. I still like my aesthetic on my feed. So that takes a lot more time to make sure that I batch photos one day a week that I have them for the rest of the week to put in the feed. Cause I, to me, it makes me happy. It doesn't make everyone happy. Like everyone does their own thing on Instagram. And to me, what makes me happy and joyful is having like my nice aesthetically pleasing feed. And then my story can be whatever. Yeah. It sparks joy for you. It sparks joy. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, that's sort of how I plan out everything in the calendar and stick to it. (laughs) It's different when you're an influencer, you're working for yourself. You're the only person. It's not like you have an HR department, you know, and I always, well, I've talked about before how when people started contacting me, I was just like, I had no idea what I was doing. And then I reached out to you and you explained everything to me and it was like life-changing. But have you ever run into an issue working with someone? With a brand? Yeah. Mm, Not really. I feel very lucky in my corporate experience and how it's helped me as an influencer dealing with big brands. I feel like probably compared to a lot of people, I have a lot of contract experience. So I'm used to reading like big, long legal documents and I know how to mark them up and lawyer them up as people would say and send them back and what to look for. And I would never have had that experience if I didn't work corporate for all those years. So that's really helped me and probably has saved me from a lot of issues. (laughs) But less like issues with brands and maybe more like I've learned to really just say no and stand up for myself a lot and to ask for my worth and value in terms of like things I'm getting paid and things I'm not willing to do and compromise in my content. But I've never had like an issue per se. Right. It is difficult to stand up for yourself. Like it sounds odd, but even for me, I get so many requests for me to be an affiliate. So however many people use your thing, like we'll give you the money. And there's the odd thing, like the other day I was contacted for one and I was like, oh, that's really awesome. And people will really benefit from this. So like, I will consider that. And I'm interested in doing it as well. There's things like that, but then 95% of them, like I'm not interested in it, but it still feels weird for me to email back and say, sorry, but like at this moment, I don't take on affiliate things. Like I'm only doing paid opportunities. And it's like, I shouldn't feel bad for saying that, you know, like you can't get used to it for everyone. (laughs) Exactly. No's to me are way more important than my yeses. And I say no 95% of the time. And I think influencers can get a bad rap for looking like they say yes to everything, but like you should see the stuff that we turn down. Right. I mean, I, I say no to almost everything. It feels like, like I rarely give a yes, especially since having a child. And especially since I feel like I've built enough of like, know and trust with my followers that I can take on like less, but bigger brand deals throughout the year versus doing like one-offs every few weeks. And I always feel really good when I say no, it it just makes me feel better than saying yes sometimes. (laughs) And yeah, affiliates is always just like a hell no, always because it's so much work for nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. It's like things for 5% of your commission. Yeah. And you start to learn that really quickly and you start to not put effort into your own content because you're doing all this other content that you don't necessarily believe in. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year. And we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. 
If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. I don't know if you have the same problem, but I find my biggest like pet peeve right now would be people a lot of people right now are starting their own like small businesses because of everything given and COVID. And I think that is so fantastic. And I'm all about a side hustle or like women supporting women. But I find that a lot of people come to me and I'm sure to you too, to ask, to help like share even not, you know, like they don't even like, maybe they'll gift me something. They just want like, they'll get the word out there and things like that. And I'm like, you've never supported me in any way. You've never liked my photo. You've never commented. You've never shared it. You've never bought my ebook. You've never bought my program. Like there's so many ways you can support creators. And I think people, aside from just watching, like I don't need another eyeball that doesn't engage, right? (laughs) So I find it very frustrating when people come and they have these expectations of just because you have a little K next to your number, on Instagram, they expect you to help support them because they decided to start this business. And it's like, this might sound really bad and unpopular, but like your new small business is not my problem. And that's how I feel. Like I want to write that to somebody on a daily basis because <laughs> I get these requests and I'm like, just because you decided to start this, it's not my problem. And sending a free gift like becomes my problem when I have to score it and tag you and you know, get you all these followers. And I'm not trying to sound ungrateful or bitchy at all, but it's like these, when people ask for these type, this type of support, you have to try and think about how you've supported the creator in the past. Have you ever even liked one of their pieces of content? Do you even follow them? (laughs) Not only on social media, but I find now that I have this podcast, it's constant requests for people to come on the podcast. Oh yeah. And I have to recognize that this podcast is a 45-minute advertisement for these people. And this is my podcast. I am curating all the content that is going to be on there that people are going to listen to. So it sounds bad, but like I want these to be things that I think are helpful and valuable and entertaining. And you know, just because someone wrote a book last year, like they want to come on the podcast. And now it's not to say that people don't contact me and I say, yes, this is a great idea. I love what your book is about. Please come on the podcast. And like, I've had people contact me and now they're coming on the podcast and their book is in the book club and they're probably going to get a bunch of like buys on their book. And it's just like, you can just feel when people are, you know, super like grateful and they're, you know, trying to do something for a really good cause or whatever it is. And it's nice being an influencer that you can pick and choose who you want to work with and you don't have to say yes to everything. Yeah, it is nice. And that's why it feels like it's a hard place to get to, like you said, to learn to say no, because every opportunity you're grateful for being supportive is reciprocal and it can't always be one-sided. And like you giving me your product is not the definition of you supporting me because I don't need another like bag or hand cream or baby toy, right? We all have too much stuff. Like no one needs another one if you're in the influencer world. And like, I really don't want this to come off rude or ungrateful, but it's like you gifting me this thing is no skin off of your back. You know, it's the exposure you're going to get. Yeah. And if you've never supported me or you don't even follow me, (laughs) then like, why, why am I going to help you out? Yeah. And it's obvious when you receive emails or direct messages on Instagram that are just like curated messages that they've sent. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like we're not there. We're not stupid. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh man. Okay. What advice would you have for people that want to do what you do? but they don't know where to start or they're afraid to start. 
I would say, I mean, it sounds so cheesy, but like literally just start because you're never going to be at a place where you're good enough to start because you're always going to be able to be better and improve. And like, I'm, I'm learning every single day. There's, you know, I'm teaching myself every single day. So you just have to start, you learn as you go. I would say probably pick the number one platform that you can show up on and be consistent on. So maybe that's Instagram and it's stories. Maybe that, that's really easy for you and you're natural, or maybe it's posting on your feed, or maybe it's TikTok, maybe it's YouTube. Pick one platform that you know you can be consistent with and post content every single day. And then don't get discouraged if you're creating content every single day and you're not going viral and you're not you know, reaching hundreds of thousands of people right away because obviously it's a very oversaturated market. But there's room for everybody and everyone brings their own personality and expertise and just individual stories to the game. And I think there's absolutely room for everybody, but don't get discouraged, be consistent and just be yourself. (laughs) Yeah. They always talk about like being authentic and it's so true. It's not as enjoyable for me to watch people that are very like polished and not just, you know, showing everyday real life. Like we want to relate to people, right? We don't like, I could go buy a magazine at the grocery store if I just wanted to, or go on Pinterest and just look at pretty things. But yeah, I find the stories that I watch, I watch very few people's stories. You're one of the people and it's people that are just like real and normal and that I can relate to and that are going through similar things that I'm going through. So yeah, definitely be authentic for sure. Do you use any apps like Canva or things like, do you have any like secret apps or things that you would recommend people download if they wanted to get started? Yeah. For content creation, Canva is amazing. I don't use it on my phone, to be honest. I use it for on my computer, but I do like story graphics on it and YouTube channel trailer things on it. Canva is just an incredible way to save money on a graphic designer. Like you can create your logo. Canva is just Unreal. I highly recommend Canva. Splice I use for video on my phone. It's really good. So easy to edit videos on Splice. And then I actually have a private Instagram account where I plan out my content because I used to have like plan P-L-A-N-N it was called to see what my grid was going to look like. That's because for me, my feed and aesthetic is important to me. If it's, this isn't for some, you know, if someone doesn't care what their feed looks like, you don't have to worry about this. But if you do want like a nice curated feed, there's plan, there's planally, there's grid, there's all these different ones you can use. But I just use Instagram because I just get a little weary about connecting my Instagram account to a third party app. I'm just a little nervous about it, but I'm, I'm sure they're all legit. And I used to use them. I don't remember what something happened with plan It like glitched and then I just deleted it. So I actually have like a private account that I just want to see what my feed's going to look like. Sometimes I'll create a reel on that and save it and then upload it like on my Kale and Crunches account. Do you hire anybody to do anything for you? Yes. I have a virtual assistant in New Zealand. So she's absolutely amazing. She completely rebranded my like website and everything. She came up with like a branding package for me and changed my brand colors and logos and everything. She is sort of like a jack of all trades that helps me with a lot of techie stuff. So for example, today someone told me that my contact form on my website was not working. It was a quick like Slack message to her and she fixed it. I'm really bad at the backend stuff. I spent a lot of time over the last five years Googling like HTML code and things like that and putting it in my website. And I just realized like I'm wasting so much time. So I have her on like a monthly retainer and she just helps me with anything that I need help with. And I'm sure she'll do a lot more like when the baby's here, things like creating graphics on Canva for my IG stories or IG lives or YouTube and things like that. Research with things. I created a cookbook, an ebook this year. She drafted the whole thing for me. So it's sort of like someone her expertise is really in marketing and design and like back end techie stuff. Awesome. I always wondered what virtual assistants did. <laughs> yeah, I I did too. And then <laughs> my sleep consultant actually told me and uses her. So I hired her too. And she's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> my sleep, for my baby, my sleep training consultant. I don't have a sleep <laughs> consultant. <laughs> I know how Sometimes to sleep. Sometimes I think that I need one. For a while, I kept waking up in the middle of the night and I was like, do I need to call Amanda right now because (laughs) 
I can't sleep. Has she been on your podcast? Yes. <laughs> okay. So if you guys know Amanda. Yeah. Amanda, Amanda uses my virtual assistant or I use her virtual assistant, I should say. That's so funny. So when is baby number two due? She's due March 27th. And what have you guys been doing? Cause it's like, I know what it's like to prepare for a first child. Like what kinds of things are you guys doing? Like, what are you expecting? Are you nervous? Are you excited? Like what's going on? We haven't done much to prepare. I feel like we're just very focused on Lily, who's my toddler. Like she's almost 21 months and like, you know how it is. Like everything is about her. So I just feel, so we're really just focused on her and this. We're always like, we forget what week I am. We forget when doctor's appointments are with this second pregnancy. There's really, and we're, we're having a second girl. Like there's just not much in terms of things that we need to do. We'll eventually like clear out her nursery, which is our makeshift gym that I like train my clients in virtually and my husband uses. So we'll do that eventually. But otherwise, like, because they're pretty close in age, like we don't need a lot and we have everything and there's really not much to do. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. eh? Like when you're pregnant with your first child, it's like all consuming. You're just so much. You're trying to research everything. Everything. Yeah. I look at strollers for weeks, like looking at blogs, looking at YouTube videos. (laughs) Everything's about Lily. Like I, that's that's the truth. That's the honest so answer. Oh man, you have a name picked out. Yeah, we do. Oh, that's exciting. We don't share it though because we're superstitious. Yeah, superstitious. Yeah, oh, I'm excited. <laughs> I just saw this TikTok where they were expecting a boy, so they set everything up for a boy. They had like the gender reveal. Oh my god! And then it ended up being a girl, but. I'm not going to say that's going to happen to you. I'm just saying. It won't happen to me because I just had an ultrasound <laughs> and she, she showed me the vagina lips. <laughs> <laughs> well then. <sighs> so you guys recently renovated your house, right? Well, we bought a house and we moved. Oh, okay. I yeah. So you had we did like a previous. Yeah. So we did, we did like a few, we renovated a couple of rooms. Yeah. Okay. And did you renovate it to match your aesthetic on Instagram? Because it's very beautiful. Thank you. I feel like I renovated it to match like my aesthetic and life. <laughs> like, but like that wasn't always my Instagram aesthetic. I feel like <laughs> there's certain, yeah, maybe, I guess. Or like, I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg. Right. <laughs> but right now I'm like very into neutrals and like I've always been a houseplant person. Like our old house was a jungle. So houseplants have always been big. Yeah, I'm like very particular in the style that I like. In terms of like the house and things that I look at online, but like not in terms of what I look like. I wish I was more put together. We worked with an interior designer and she looks like her like interior aesthetic. And I'm just like, oh, mm-hmm. I wish I was that like chic and stylish and put together. I, I never look good. What's the um, the makeover show on Netflix with, what's their last name? The McGee's? Oh, the Shade McGee. Oh, yeah, Studio McGee. Yes. Yeah, I watched a couple episodes like, of that. She yeah, she's looks... like she looks like her aesthetic. I know. I'm. I don't know if she's always like that, but she is. I mean, I guess if you're on a Netflix show, you look like that. But yeah, I don't know. I'm very envious of people that can like just. My sister's like that. My one of my younger sisters. She's just put together always, even in sweats. She just like looks good. Yeah, you know. I'm oh, just man. not one of those people. <laughs> Damn those people. We have other strengths. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay, before we finish up, what are three resources that you would recommend to moms? So it could be anything, a movie, a podcast, a book, anything. Well, aside from your podcast. Oh, thanks. Which everyone already knows about because they're listening. Okay, I read, you know, Cat and Nat. I read their book. Did you read their book, Mom Truths? Yeah, I was in the book club. Okay. I loved it. I thought that, I think it's a great book because I like that their kids are older and like, they kind of take you through all the different phases of like life and motherhood. I read it when I was pregnant with Lily and I'm going to reread it, especially like looking back in hindsight, I found that the stories were super funny and relatable and were like real and raw. And I put it on my gift guide for like a new mom. I think it's a great book. For an app, I like the Wonder Weeks, even though it's only for the first year. <laughs> do you, I do you loved it. I think it's great. It's an app that takes you through the different like developmental leaps and stages of your baby in the first year. And it's just helpful to know like at six weeks, if they're cluster feeding like crazy and crying like crazy, like it's you kind of expect these leaps where they're making big developments kind of affect their behavior in everyday life. 
Every time Milo was really fussy or just not being himself, I would open up that app and always he was in a leap. Yeah, always. It was just so accurate. <laughs> yeah. But like, when are they not in a leap is really the question. Uh, <laughs> it's like five days in between months when they're not in a leap. <laughs> Things are great. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm selfishly going to promote my blog because I just have a lot of content on it in terms of like postpartum, dealing with postpartum anxiety, things about breastfeeding, things about transitioning to formula, starting solids. I have like videos and blogs and lists and things like that. And I, and it's just from like, I'm not an expert in any way, shape or form, except that I'm just another mom. And I feel like sometimes it's helpful to hear just another mom's experience. No, for sure. So your blog and all your everything is going to be linked in the episode notes so that people can find it. In case people are wondering, where can people find you? What's your Instagram, your website, all that stuff? Yeah. So my Instagram is at kale underscore and underscore crunches with a K. Contemplating changing it just to my name. I don't know. If, I know. I feel like it's too bold of a move. I can't do it. I just don't like the name anymore. I feel like it doesn't resonate. It needs to be called like carbs and candy or something <laughs> instead. <laughs> like, and my website's kale and crunches, spelled the same, dot com, YouTube, kale and crunches, TikTok, kale and crunches. Awesome. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> Do you have any fun projects in the works or like in five years from now or two years from now? Like, what are you hoping to do with your platform? I'm hoping to really get back into the health and fitness and just like, that's really what lights me up and feels like it's my calling, especially the teaching of the group classes. So I really hope that the gym industry is somewhere because as much as teaching virtual is fun, like I always really connected to the in-class group classes that I taught. So I really hope that that industry is able to overcome everything that COVID has, you know, hit it with and hope to be in a studio again teaching soon. But the next project is this baby. Yeah, <laughs> and until then, project. yeah just a little project. <laughs> and then until then, <laughs> I'm yeah, and working at my own like personal health and fitness goals to be able to get back in studio. Yeah. Would you ever open up your own studio? No. No. Okay. I- if anything, I would have like an office space where it would be like my studio slash office where I would, you know, focus it on content creation and stuff too. But I would never, I th- and I think this is you know, pre-COVID, I got asked this question all the time and it's, this is me being jaded from working in real estate. Yeah. <laughs> I would never take on a lease. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Makes sense though. Thank you so much for talking with me today. I'm very excited for COVID to be over so that our children can play together. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I made all these friends during quarantine, but I've never met anybody. And I'm like, oh yeah, we're friends now. Yeah, the beauty of social media. (laughs) So true though. (laughs) We'll walk when the weather gets nicer if we're still stuck. Exactly. (laughs) Well, have a good day and I will talk to you soon. Perfect. Bye. Bye.